My name is Rachel Del Judas, and you are listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Forge Leadership Network mentors, trains, and connects young conservatives ages 18 to 25, equipping them to lead in politics, culture, and business. For more information or to get involved, visit forgeleadership.org. Look, I want to just, if I can, just take a few moments to share some stuff that I've been studying. You know, as a pastor, I have found this challenge because I'm in a small college town of about 18,000 people. I've got a church of over 1,000 people, and that church consists of five different generations. In fact, this is the first time in thousands of years that five generations, a mass of five generations are alive at the same time. I mean, you think about that, Right? There's the so-called greatest generation, right? Those born before the end of World War II. My parents are in that. Right? They remember the Depression. They remember the war. And then you have the boomers, the baby boomers. Those born between 1945-46 to about 1962, somewhere through there. Then you have Generation X, my generation, 1962 to 1980. Then you have the millennials, right? Most of you are probably there. How many of you were born between 1980 and 2000? Almost all of you, exactly. You are the millennials. I'm going to compliment you here in a minute. I'm going to pick on you here in a minute. And then you have this whole new generation of people coming up now that are, that are coming teenagers, right? those born after 2000. So now we've got this generation coming up. We're not quite sure what they're going to be like yet since the oldest ones are 15, 16. We'll have to wait and see. But all these different generations think very differently. And so if you go into business, you go into politics, you go into law, you go into ministry, you go into anything where you have to deal with a mass of people, whether it's 12 people on a jury, or whether it's a congregation, or whether it's customers, you have to deal with five different generations that think very, very differently. And so you need to think about what do they do? How do they do it? Okay. First of all, I'll start with the great generation. This is the first generation that's really had kind of a second adulthood. I mean, they were raised when they were growing up. They thought if you lived to 70, you were, you were an old person. Now they're living to their 80s, 90s. They've got like 20 years after they retire to just kind of hang around. And one of the things I try to do as a minister is help them figure that out. Don't just sit on your butt doing nothing. Let's do something, right? And this generation, this greatest generation, I mean, they grew up not with television, right, or internet. When my, you know, dad was a kid in Kentucky on a farm, what they had in the center of their living room was radio. radio. And you go back and you listen to the old radio programs, they often had this expert. They always had some kind of expert. Long before Dr. Phil came along, they had guys like that on the radio telling you how to do this, how to do that. Dr. Such and Such, this person. They grew up listening to the voice of the expert. And when the expert spoke, you listened, you didn't talk, you did what you were told. That's how they think. They look to experts. This is one of the reasons why that if you have like grandparents and stuff in that generation, if they have a serious medical issue, you need to go with them and be their advocate because they won't question the doctor, right? Doctor come in and say, ah, you've got this. Okay. You go, wait, 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 wait a minute. What does that entail? What does that, I mean, they don't ask questions. They just do what they're told, right? And this is one of the reasons they look at other generations and go, you guys talk too much. 
Shut up, listen. And they're worth listening to if you can keep the cranky down, right? If you begin to turn down the cranky, they're actually worth listening to. That's the greatest generation. Then the baby boomers come along. Now there's a misconception that the baby boomers, when they became hippies, were rebelling against their parents. That's not true. Actually, all they were doing were listening to the elite secular experts their parents had allowed to infiltrate the universities. So Freudianism takes over, right? Darwinism, so forth. This all creeps in. You go back and read William F. Buckley's great book, God and Man at Yale. Buckley is talking about how Yale University has been infiltrated by secularists and liberals, and that's going to trickle down to every other university because every university that's not Harvard or Yale wants to be Harvard or Yale, right? They have Harvard or Yale envy. And so they follow that course. But the baby boomers come up, so... They have all these professors who are telling them, get in touch with yourself. Right? Get into therapy to find yourself. Get in touch with your emotions. One of the reasons why we have seeker-sensitive mega churches that preach like sermons are supposed to be real applicable to your life, and you have these songs that are basically power ballads to Jesus. Right? They're prom songs to Jesus. It's weird. Those are for the boomers because the boomers like emotion. The boomers like practical advice. The boomers trust themselves. They're confident. The boomers didn't have to go earn the American dream. They were born into it. They're super confident and they're super into themselves. And they like emotion. They like relationship. Right? Now, then Generation X comes along. We are not so confident. We are a snarky bunch. We are cynical. We don't trust anything. I tell people I'm a perfect example of Generation X. I define an optimist as somebody who does not understand the situation. <laughs> I am not a glass half empty or a glass half full. I am there is acid in the glass. There's a hole in it. We're all going to die. <laughs> right? And so that's Generation X. So Generation X, we were the first latchkey kids. We were the first generation where both parents worked. We were also the first generation where almost half of our parents got divorced. Right? So we're a cynical bunch. We were raised by TV. How many of you have ever seen the 90s sitcom Friends? Most of you fairly familiar with it? Okay, that is Generation X. Generation X went out and they made their friends their family. That's who we turn to. We don't let we don't let many people into our circle. We have small circles, and when we bring them in, they're ours, right? And that's how that works. So with Generation X, we don't want to hear all the flip flub and bladder and blah, 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 talk. What about this? That? We don't care about the experts. We ask one question: Does it work? We've been burned by too many things. Does it work? Show me that it works. I'll buy in. I had a lot of friends who voted for George W. Bush in 2004 and then voted for Barack Obama in 2008 simply because they looked at the mess Wall Street was in in 2008. They looked at the Middle East and said, well, that didn't work. Let's see if he'll work. And that's as simply as they thought. Then come the millennials. You guys. And you get the, the reputation of, of thinking too much of yourselves. Spending too much time living in your mom's basement. 
not getting out there. Well, there's some truth to that, but I'm going to cut you a little slack. First of all, there is some truth to the stereotype that you millennials think too highly of yourselves. When they asked the greatest generation, the generation that defeated fascism, that freed the world, do you think you're a special person? Only 7% said yes. 93% of the greatest generation said, no, we're not special. Those numbers are completely flipped with millennials. 93% of you said, yes, I'm special. <laughs> and mathematically, that's impossible. <laughs> now, it is also true that most of you are waiting a long time to move out of the house, get a job, start a career, all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to cut you a little slack there. This is now being called emerging adulthood. And there's a reason why your fellow millennials are waiting so long to choose career, relationships, so forth. Because they looked at us and they looked at the boomers and said, you guys hated your job, you hated your marriage, I'm not making that mistake. Okay, now that's, I, I see the reasoning there, right? Okay. But wherever you go, whatever you do, you're going to have to figure out how to relate to five different generations in order to succeed. You go and they study leadership stuff, they'll tell you well, there's, you know, they'll say you've got to discover your gifts, you've got to get a little more objective, you've got to find like strength finder or something like that, discover what your gifts are. There's a lot of talk about emotional intelligence, you know, which emotional intelligence largely boils down to quit thinking so much of yourself and ask other people how they're doing, right? It's that kind of thing, but we don't hear a lot about generational intelligence. We need better generational IQ. If you're going to run a campaign, how do you effectively deal with at least four generations that are voting? How do you reach all of them, right? Let's think this through. Let's say that you're looking at this. Do you think you can hit all four of them with a campaign ad well? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I think you're right. I don't think anything can do it. I, I, I just finished a study uh, how do I do this at church? As a minister, how do I reach five different generations? And the consultant said, you can't. Sorry. You know, and they said, but who are, who are you missing? Let's look at see who's not, you know, properly represented and let's go after them. So let's say you're running a campaign and you look at your poll numbers and one of the areas where you're weak is that greatest generation. How do you reach them? Anybody? An expert, okay? So you find an expert, right? You find an expert, and then do the older generation, they still get snail mail, right? My parents still go to the post box every day, and they get they love getting their mail. They have to check their mail every day. That's like one of their routines. So if you're trying to reach the greatest generation, wouldn't it make sense to have an expert endorse your candidate, talk about why your candidate's plan is a good one, and then send out a mailer targeting those folks? See where I'm going? So you're looking at the boomers. Now we're looking at emotion. How many of you have seen the new Hillary ad where the kids are all around the TV and they're watching Trump just getting bleeped and all that other kind of stuff? That's a very good ad, and that certainly cuts across all generations, but it's primarily targeted to baby boomers. Right? They're the ones right now that are they're not all of them are at retirement age, so guess what they do? They write checks. <laughs> You think Hillary Clinton's not thinking about that? Right? So wherever you go, law, business, 
politics, ministry, wherever you choose to go, nonprofit work. I hope some of you choose to actually look to go into some kind of journalism, broadcasting, or film, because that's really what defines the culture, right? I mean, Christianity has made huge steps when it comes to filmmaking. Now, we're still in the nascent stage, so they still kind of, the films still kind of suck, but <laughs> they're getting there. They're working on it, right? They're, they're, trying to, they're trying to get there. And so I hope some of you will do that. Thank you for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. If you like the show, please drop a review in your podcast app and be sure to subscribe for all of our latest episodes. You can follow Forge Leadership Network at Forge Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about Forge programming, please visit forgeleadership.org.